It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She time. is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello, Paul Cochran with you. Welcome to another episode of the Sprint Lane, the Eureka Series. This is such an exciting format and, and it is on our doorstep. Not too long to go now, September 2, the biggest race in the world, the world's richest harness race, the Tab Eureka, will be held at Tabcourt Park, Menangle. One of the gentlemen who has, has got a, a very large stake in this race, uh, Jared Alchem, welcome to this special episode, mate. Yep, welcome, Paul. Mate, it's good to have you. Um, and when we say you've got a, a special part to play, mate, you're you're responsible for, I guess, suiting up one of the one of the key contenders. And look, let's be honest, they're all key contenders, all ten horses that are going to line up on the night. But you've got the one of the local hopes. You're going to be carrying the flag for for people here at Menangle with my ultimate Ronnie. Um, exciting times, mate. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. Um, good just to be in the race. Um, yeah, the lead up's been great and um, starting to build up now so it's starting to get exciting uh listeners of this show uh my ultimate ronnie will be will be familiar with my ultimate ronnie um the the journey's been one that that has been carefully tracked since you know we saw him burst on the scene as a really exciting two-year-old and but in many respects in the shadow of of one that's very similarly named of my ultimate byron they came through together. We always talked about my ultimate ronnie being potentially the better horse when they got a little bit older and it's kind of panned out that way yeah, it has. Um, he had a lot of soundness issues early on, and um, we we always liked him, but we had to bring him nice and slow and carefully. And he went in and out a couple of times because he just went sore and had to put him out. And he actually, I didn't think he'd race as a two-year-old, um, but he did. He come back and he raced in the British Challenge final, and probably nearly should have won it. Byron got in his road, so um, Byron led and sort of had. Byron had probably run his race before the race in the retention barn. He just carried on in didn't there. Didn't like it, did he? Nah, just like carried it. on like a fruit loop <laughs> like he is. And, uh, and yeah, so he – we probably – as it turned out, we got the driving instructions wrong there. We probably should have held the front on um, on Ronnie, but he was a bit – he was unlucky there, and we knew then that we had a serious horse to come back at three. And, um, and then – the idea was to go to the New South Wales Derby, but once again he sort of went sore and had to had to put him back out and miss a bit of time. And um, but yeah, he he's come back now and he, he we've got a pretty good stretch out of him soundness wise. So I mean, this was getting said for so long around that time. It was like, gee, Byron's good. Byron's a gun two year old, but gee, we think we think Ronnie's the one that's going to be a better horse at three and four. And I know I remember talking to you at the time. You you thought that I remember. I remember sitting where we are right now in the studio. I'm an angle and Ryan Feel and saying it really openly in in the coverage. And other people were saying it around the place. I mean, I, I'm certainly not, you know, in the know enough to be able to spot that. What was it that that made you think this is going to be a better horse down the track? Oh, uh, Byron was just a horse that got up and went. He was very revved up. Um, he was on his toes. He was a sun beach somewhere. He was a jump and go sort of horse. Um, where Ronnie was very laid back and only ever did what he had to in track work unless you really worked two or three or four together. And 
that would buzz him up a bit. But if you worked him on his own, like the yearlings would go quicker than him. He's just a very laid-back customer. Um, but we put a race bike on him one day uh, here. I don't know, we worked a few together, but we put a race bike on him and worked him with a few of the better racehorses at the time. And we just sat him last, and um, a fella that worked for me at the time, we just got him to drive him, um, Gary Hargraves. And I said, you just sit last and follow us around, and if he keeps up, he keeps up. Anyway, halfway up the straight, he pulled him out, and he just put four lengths on us. I was like, whoa, where'd yeah. that come from? You yeah, know? right. It was sort of the probably the turning point, you know what I mean? He, he always felt all right, but never sort of could get him up on the bit because he was such a laid-back customer, and... Probably that day there was the day where I said, I better drive him from now on. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, so you sort of, was that a moment where you looked and went, oh, wow, we got something serious on our hands? That here. was probably the first time, yeah, yeah. that we thought, he, you know, he might be a bit better than average. Yeah. Because he worked with a couple of horses, a couple of Metro horses that day, and he was only a two-year-old, albeit they had heavy bikes on and he had a race bike, but it was just the way he done it. Yeah, okay. So he's gone through, I mean, he's gone around the place and he's won good races you know, across the state, he's been up to Queensland and he's and he's done well there. Um, when this race was flagged and the conditions of the Tab Eureka come along, did you look at it and go, "Well, gee, I reckon I've got one that that probably could be a contender in this race, and, and slot holders might be interested in." Well, at the time, I thought we got a few, yeah, <laughs> but things were always going to have to fall into place, and you know, um, like we had Madrid at the time and Byron. And a three-year-old that I got a lot of time for, Mortimer and Snowy. So we we saw and and Ronnie, you know, we had four of them there that, you know, things had to fall into place and they had to be going good at the time. But we had four there that were sort of hopes of making the field, and just to get one in it is a is a great thrill. So how does it play out? Like you know, you're the tr- you don't own the horse. Someone else owns it. You're the trainer. Someone's a slot holder. How does this all? How do the three parties all come together and reach an agreement that um, Ronnie's going to take a spot on behalf of one of the slot holders? Yeah, well, he had a few people sort of ringing up and just inquiring about what the plans were and all that sort of thing. But uh, Scott and Jody from Tumby Park, they actually went to Europe right when the negotiations were starting. So they sort of, it was a bit difficult there for a while, but um, we come to an agreement with Rob, who's been terrific all the way through and um, still now he's, terrific you know like we went to Queensland and he pardon me didn't probably have the best two runs up there although he wasn't terrible I know he can be better and um yeah Rod's been very understanding and um yeah so they they sat down when Scott got home from Europe and I think that actually might have happened over there but yeah they had a phone hook up and got the deal done and it was good just um to get that out of the way you know we didn't have to worry about chasing our tail and which has worked out perfect because having a little got a little bit sick in Queensland and were able to come back and give him a week off when he come back and get over that and um, yeah if if we hadn't have had that slot locked in we would have had to have him probably up and going and in the singo and and races like that so um, it worked out good to be able to get him locked in early and how much do you think that being based here and racing so well and, you know, tackle palm and angle seems to suit Ronnie. How much do you think that played into the the slot holders' decision-making? Oh, I don't think that had any part to play in it, to be fair. I just think, um, you know, his run in the chariots was sort of a real eye-catcher. 
Um, then he went to Wagga, and his two runs at Wagga were terrific. So, um, like Rob has horses himself, and um, he's he sort of saw something in him, and his couple of runs where he ran second to Leap to Fame were really good. Albeit he had his chance to beat him, Leap to Fame was just too good. But to get so close to him, um, I think that there are another couple of runs that Rob likes. So, um, yeah, I'm just grateful that. He's uh, saw something in the horse and um, allowed me and Scott and Jody to be on the journey with him. So, does that then? So, when when that's squared away, like as the trainer, do you then, like, did you then sort of suddenly get the notebook out and go, right, what's the what's the journey to September two look like? Did you start to map it out then? Or? Um, no, nah, not really. We sort of just didn't want to over race him. That was the one thing we didn't want to do was over race him because of his soundness issues. Um, so yeah, we. We'd planned not to take him to Queensland. Uh, as it turned out, we probably should have stayed with that plan, but the lucrative money up there, Lewis, you up there. So um, we went up there and um, he sort of, his first run was, I wasn't disappointed with his first run. He just needed the run um, and he had a real good blow after it. And then um, he sort of got greasy heel a bit up there and just got a little bit sick and, um, I thought he was back right just before his last start up there and then the day before he um, busted out and greasy heel again and just when they're doing that, their blood's not 100% right. So we brought him back and pulled some blood out of him and um, give him a week off and he's jumping out of his skin now. As you saw this morning on the track, he's pretty lively. Yeah, well, you're right. So this morning we've just done some publicity stuff with um, our, our new ambassador for the Eureka. Great to have Benji Marshall on board. Uh, just a calm, beautiful, placid horse that uh, just was happy to meet someone new on track, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, like he uh, he's a pretty laid-back horse, but uh, this morning was probably about when he got, got out there and uh, got veined up and he uh, he thought he was going out to race, not to get a photo <laughs> shoot. He was looking for some ladies, not Benji. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the thing, isn't it? They're, they're probably like they get into default mode and go, well, okay, this is the track, this is where I do my thing. This is, is Yeah, that, well, when he's on the track, Ronnie? he's usually got the bike on him and yep. ready to go, not walking up the straight doing photo shoots. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, he, he handled it all pretty well. But yeah. uh, as you could see today, his coat's glowing. and yeah, um, He looks in good nick. Yeah, he looks very fit. Like he's uh, – that's one thing the trip to Queensland really tightened him up and yep. he's come back a lot fitter. So, um, so what do you do – so um, you know you got three weeks or so to the to the race. What do you, what do you do to maintain that uh, trainer? So the plan will give him a um, a bit more of a serious hit out here Saturday morning, and then he'll um, he'll trial Wednesday, the following Wednesday, and then all going well he'll race the week before the Eureka. Um, there's a twenty three hundred meter race here at Menangle and into the Eureka. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of you kind of have mapped it out a bit. In a way, look. Oh yeah, yeah, like ideally, if he if he hadn't have been sick, we would have give him another another run instead of just having the one run. Like ideally, I would have liked to have had two runs leading in, but um, so we'll just fit in a trial and a run. But he he's fit. Like that that's one thing the trip did do to Queensland. It really tightened him up, and um, he had a hit out yesterday morning, and that's probably the best his heart rate's ever been. Yep. Um, so, yeah, no, he's fit. One of the great um, teams over the last couple of years here, particularly in Angle, has been you and Cameron Hart and, and the success you two have had together 
on some great some great athletes, um, you know, equine athletes here. Uh, at what point do you touch base with Cam them and say? Uh, oh, Cam's too busy partying <laughs> in Europe at the moment. So, what, but yeah. at what point did you did you square that arrangement away? Because you know you, you've confirmed that Cam will take the drive on Ronnie. Um, I sort of that that was probably for him and Scott. You know, um, yeah, I, I just do the training and leave the rest up to Scott and Jody. They they can speak to Cam about that sort of thing, but. Um, yeah, no, like Cam's had, I think he's probably drove him most of his starts. He, I think Will Rickson drove him once. I think Chris Geary drove him yeah. once. I think. Well, Cam yeah. was driving Byron. Yeah, like Cam, when they were both going head to head. Well, they were missing they? one another early yeah. on, but in that final, um, yeah, Chris Geary drove him. And I think he probably, like, I, I really think Cam would have drove Ronnie over Byron in that final. Um, if, but I think Scott really wanted him to stick with Byron just because of the rap he had on him. Yep. And, yep. But um, really, the the two runs before that, Ronnie went 154 around Penrith, breaking the record for two-year-olds. Yeah. And then he came out and went 150 in the quali- in the um, qualifier, you know, like, and he'd done it with his head on his chest and the earplugs still in, you know, like where Byron, he's a revy horse and then he'll switch off and you've got to really flick him up. But, um, yeah, so I think probably Kim, if he had a choice, may have. No, he did get a choice, but I think it's, I guess it's harder. Well, it's hard to change yeah, well, you know, Byron through had, a campaign, isn't it? Byron hadn't been beat. Yeah. You know. So what is it about you and Cameron Hart that, I mean, obviously you need the good horse to be able to achieve success, but you two have been such a dynamic duo, a successful duo, um, what is it about your partnership that you like as the trainer, having him as the driver? Um, well, I used to drive all my own horses, as you know, and um, just sort of got a little bit stale with it. And then um, when I was – I went to Queensland. We took a big team of horses to Queensland. I think we had seven or eight in one night, and I was like, I'm just dead set not driving all them because I'm going to be under the pump gearing up. I didn't have many staff at the time. and um, so I put Nathan Dawson on most of them and um, we had a really good night. I think got a few winners or I just can't quite remember now. But I remember driving home that day thinking that was so much easier. <laughs> Not having to drive like, didn't have to worry yeah. about driving them, gearing them yep. up. And and uh, so probably from that day on I was like if I can find someone that I get along with and that we can act, you know, I might take a bit of a backward step to the driving, concentrate more on the training. Yeah. Um, and then um, Kim come along, we put him on a couple and had a bit of success. We hadn't really locked any one driver in. I just sort of playing. I was still driving a couple myself and um, had a little bit of luck with Cam and then sort of just snowballed on from there. And we got a few good babies and, yeah, sort of went on like Madrid and Byron and Ronnie. and Been a good run. Been a good run, mate. Sorry. I hope he buys you a good Christmas gift every year. <laughs> he wants one off me. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I think um, – but that's the thing. Like, you know, you, you've equally been as, as good for each other over the last couple of years. You know, the, I've been in and around this this game. Uh, the success has, has been twofold. You know, you as a trainer, knowing that you've got, you know, a, a man who's regarded as, if not the best, one of the best in the business, you know um, – charged with the responsibility of getting your horse from A to B quicker than any other horse and navigating traffic. Um, but equally for him, he's 
relying on you to have that horse in tip-top shape. Yeah, no, I th- I just think, um, yeah, it's just a good combination. It works for what I like to do. You know, I don't – early on when I was sort of half driving and half taking a backward step, I sort of get pretty nervous when I wasn't driving them and give plenty of instructions and, you know what I mean, I just sort of struggled a bit to fully let go. Um, but then as as I've like, sort of not been interested in driving much at all, I uh, – I don't give any instructions and um, I just leave Kim to it and if he if he buggers up, well, it's on him, you know what I mean, not on me. And and I sort of just recently I went to Queensland and I had Delightful Angel in a, in a race up there and um, Jack Callaghan come to me and said, I think this is how we should drive. And I was like, not a chance. <laughs> I, I said, this is how I think the race will pan out. It was the first start I give her up there. Anyway, uh, nothing went to plan what I thought and what Jack wanted to do, if we had have gone there, she she probably goes close or at least run second. So I said, that's why I don't give instructions anymore. I said, you just got to leave it to the drivers. You yep, know, they're yep. out there. They've got a feel for the race. Um, you just, if I have to give instructions, I really shouldn't be putting the driver on. They switched on these kids, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're, they're good they're, kids, they're, you know. They're, they're a good bunch of kids. Yeah. They're, they're actually good kids to have a beer with and, and that sort of thing, and they they're light, they're um, fit, and they they, and they quick, and they take it seriously. And you know, well, so they should. It's their it's their job, and they've set themselves up as a you know these freelance drivers. That, that I have, think too, um, like they don't they don't work any of their own horses, so they got no underlying stress. You know, like mm. um, like I'd go to the races when I was driving, and. Um, you're thinking about what happened that day. One might have broke down, or an owner give you a spray on the phone, or you got all this stuff in your head. Where these kids go to the race, all they're thinking about is where they're going out that night, and what <laughs> Sheila's they can message. You know, they they don't have much on their on their plate. You know, so they they get into the races with a clear mind, and all they're thinking about's the horses they're driving, not yep. what happened that day. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we so when we get to the Eureka on September two. Um, I'd imagine as the trainer, someone who, you know that you're going to have your horse in the best shape possible and then you're going to hand it over to a bloke. I reckon you feel as good as any the 10 trainers who are going to put horses on the line that night with the bloke who's going to be responsible for your horse in Cameron Hart. Yeah, no, like um, if, if, we didn't, um, if we didn't think like that, we wouldn't put him on. You know, yeah. you, you've got to put someone on you can trust and that you can got trust in you and vice versa and um, – yeah, but like, if for some reason Kim wasn't to drive him, like, there's other good drivers out there too, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, there's plenty of young kids that are driving so good at the moment with so much confidence. But um, Kim sort of knows how I think and and I know how he thinks. And at the end of the day, if we draw 10 in the Eureka, it wouldn't matter who's driving him. I don't think we're going to, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to need a lot of luck in the so, barrier draw. So what currency you put on? That that you just said, he knows how you think, and you know how he thinks. Like that can't be a given in this game. Like I, I'm sure not every trainer and every driver can say that that's the case. So there must be some currency in that, and almost like a a step ahead in a way. Yeah, no, I think just a few years that Cam's been driving for me, it it's built up over that over them couple of years. You know, like um, I guess it wasn't like that early days. Yeah. Um, Sort of, 
Kim didn't know how I, I wanted him driven and um, vice versa. I didn't know. Well, I sort of knew how Kim would drive him fairly tough. He always drives him fairly tough. Yeah. Um, he likes to, to go forward. It's just me having him ready for how Kim likes to drive him. Yeah. Okay. Well, well let's talk about that partnership. Um, Madrid has been such a such a uh, obviously. We're talking about horses that are, are no longer necessarily with you because Madrid's been sold and is now over in the states. What a golden run you, you guys had with Madrid here. Yeah, she was a terrific horse for me. You know, like uh, it was funny how it come about with the partnership with Travis and me. Like early on, I trained her for Franco Sullivan, and um, then Travis had a good win on the punt and had a bit of money to spend and um, rang Frank up and just offered him good money and Frank's a seller and so he, he sold her and yeah the rest was history there and from then on it was... He got, he, he got what he paid back and a bit more didn't he? Yeah, yeah, she no was, she's she been a good. terrific... Well he got virtually back what he paid after she won the two-year-old yeah. final so yeah, um, yeah she, she took us on a great ride you know she, we didn't know how she'd come back at three and um, we thought she might have just been a early jump and go two-year-old and she come back at three and and then again at four you know like she couple she put in a couple of like bad performances here and there but um like she she wasn't out of the money very often and she was a great for our stable to put our name out there you got a favorite win of hers um probably it wasn't one of her better ones but the first start that um Travis, I give her after Travis border was at Penrith and um, like everyone was saying, she was probably just a leader and I knew she wasn't. I knew she was just as good from behind and she come from last at Penrith in the British two-year-old British Challenge final and I mean, she was beat on the bend and stuck her head out and won and not that that wasn't her best win or it wasn't her biggest win. But it was a big performance it, and I remember that it one. Was, yeah. It was just one performance that really stuck stick, sticks in my head for her. I think that was... A, the turning point that said she's just a little bit better than average, you know. Yeah. And the owners, like Travis and his mates would be here and, you know, some of the endearing memories of, of some of Madrid's big performances and big wins in some of those group one races and the, you know, the big money races was the group of, group of fellas out there really having a good time and up against the fence, but then all getting out there for the photo and the video and Travis being put on someone's <laughs> shoulders for the presentation. Like, you know, that, that's the joy of racing. Like it must be magic as a trainer to know that you've just, been you know had played a huge part taking a huge responsibility and making so many people so happy and yeah. so rich <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's right he, he uh no he loved every minute of it and he was a terrific owner i'd never hear from him um uh, he didn't like me giving him updates because he said every time i'd ring him he'd worry something was wrong so he said don't ring me he said just ring me when she's racing and uh he was funny like that if i ever rang him to say we'll go out for dinner or something like that he goes Oh, he goes, I was worried there was something wrong with her. You know, like, uh, no, he is a terrific owner and she was a great first horse and he's uh, he might be in for a few rough years now if he's expecting <laughs> them all to be like that because oh, that yeah. was his first ever horse. So um, you just got to enjoy him, you know, because, uh, like, for him, like, she she was just like a once, it might have been a once-in-a-lifetime horse, you know. You might not get one as good as her. Yeah. You know, a yeah. lot of people are in the industry for a long time and don't get one like her. You know, I think she ended up leaving with about 360000 Incredible. In bank, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and I think that um, with another season of racing under her belt here, she would have been 
up to the better mares. You know, she she raced in the Ladyship Mile, but she probably wasn't ready for it, and she pulled up sick. She she went no good, pulled up sick, and um, but she, I think another twelve months under her belt here, she would have been up to the better mares. She just needed to strengthen into it. Yeah, like she comes straight out of three and straight into the Ladyship Mile, um, which she went super in a qualifier. She ran second, but then in the final, she I think. She'd probably run a race the week before. Wonderful to have one of our best young trainers, Jared Alchin, on the show with us for this special episode as we preview the Tab Eureka. Of course, one of the biggest races Jared will ever prep a horse for. That is on the 2nd of September at Tab Court Park, Menangle. Make sure you get on the Club Menangle website to secure your ticket. They are free, but you do need to get online and book one to make sure you are there. There's going to be plenty on, of course, the Tab Eureka, but don't forget Birds of Tokyo will be headlining. Ricky Lee will be there doing the national anthem. It is going to be sensational. That is where we're going to end part A with Jared. Still lots to get through. Keep listening. Part B is available for you right now.